Jesus. Jesus, we come this day to glorify you. We come this day to lift up your voice. We come this day to praise you, to glorify you. Jesus, you are not part of our life. You are the very core of our life. Without you, we have nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we have no hope. Without you, we walk in darkness like still millions and millions of people on the face of this planet do every day. Jesus, right now, we open our hearts. We open our minds. We open our hearts to you. Jesus, be our Savior. Jesus, be the master of our life. For kings and kingdoms are all going to pass away. But there's something about your name. The name that is above every name. That we praise today. In the name of Jesus we offer this prayer. Amen. Be seated. Well today, I want to start a brand new series. In the month of February, the month of love, we thought it would be appropriate as a pastoral staff to address that theme. We're going to talk about real love, R-E-E-L, or real love, R-E-A-L. And the overriding question, the broad question that we're going to ask is, which of these two kinds of love characterize your love, characterize your relationships? Not just as married couples, but as parents, as friends, as co-workers, even as an influence in the life of people who don't respond to you kindly. You know, we live in a world that's love-starved, love-confused, and love-dysfunctional. And we see the evidence of that more and more every day, don't we? Skyrocketing divorce rates. Skyrocketing infidelity. Abuse. Domestic strife and conflict. Child abuse. Children acting out against their parents. Parents treating their children horribly. And and all of this lack of, of some kind of substance in love has even led children at younger and younger ages all time to act out in their anger and their, their lack of love with hostility towards their schoolmates and hostility towards others. We live in a love-starved world. And I think that a huge factor in all of this is real love. Not R-E-A-L, but R-E-E-L.
almost everything ever written about love to be true. Shakespeare said, journeys end in lovers meeting. Oh, what an extraordinary thought. Personally, I have not experienced anything remotely close to that, but I'm more than willing to believe Shakespeare had. I suppose I think about love more than anyone really should. I'm constantly amazed by its sheer power to alter and define our lives. It was Shakespeare who also said love is blind. Now that is something I know to be true. Love fades. For others, love is simply lost. But then, of course, love can also be found even if just for the night. And then there's another kind of love, the cruelest kind, the one that almost kills its victims. It's called unrequited love. Of that, I am an expert. Most love stories are about people who fall in love with each other. But what about the rest of us? What about our stories? Those of us who fall in love alone. That love. R-E-E-L. Has become the template for love today in our culture, in our lives so often. That, that's the standard. And, and that's the standard we tend to judge all of our other important relationships around. But real love, R-E-E-L, isn't R-E-A-L. Real love, R-E-E-L, is scripted love. As we saw in that opening clip from the movie The Holiday, a, a couple embracing each other and beautiful music in the background. Only for the camera to pan out and see that it's a musical composer laying the music track behind a movie. See, that's what R-E-E-L is. It's scripted love. Beautiful music playing. Just the perfect setting. Handsome actors and gorgeous actresses. A beautifully written story, which is exactly that, a story. Wonderful lines that just kind of Fill that, that love place in our heart that we desire so much. And Jerry Maguire, at the very end, Tom Cruise coming back to try to beg Renee Zellwigner to come back into the relationship. And he's going on and on. And all of a sudden, Renee says, stop. You had me when you said hello. Oh. <laughs> Julia Roberts in Notting Hill. A famous actress who has fallen in love with a, with a London small bookstore owner. And she's coming to him. And she's, she's wanting a relationship with him. And, 
But he's overwhelmed by her, her international popularity. And, and finally she looks at him and she says, Yes, but I'm also just a girl looking at a boy wondering if he can love me. Oh. The climactic end to You've Got Mail. Meg Ryan standing in a beautiful park on a beautiful bridge and a dog barking and running down the trail with the voice of Tom Hanks calling out the dog's name and he comes around the corner and after this, this long in, involved relationship on the internet, on AOL, finally they meet and she recognizes him. Surprised that he's one of her competitors and one that put her out of business but they look with eyes of love. And he says, Hello, shopkeeper. And she says, I was hoping it would be you. And we go, oh. <laughs> R-E-E-L. It's scripted. R-E-E-L, love, is an illusion of love. And yet, we increasingly buy into that illusion and compare all of our relationships to it. And as we do, it increasingly begins to bring negative characteristics into our true relationships. It produces unrealistic expectations. I don't hear music in my marriage. All I hear is snoring. My girlfriend, she's not fun like, like those girls and those actresses in the movies, and she don't look anything like they do. Those guys, they don't pick their nose like my guy does. Even in family life, all these family feelings. Parents look at these kids who are created to be these wonderful kids in these movies. They go, oh, what's wrong with my kids? My kids aren't like that. And the same kids are looking at the parents going, why can't my parents be more understanding like those parents? And we build all of these unrealistic expectations because we are basing real life experiences on an illusion. And as that takes seed, it begins to produce unsatisfying relationships. My relationship doesn't have any music in it. My relationship doesn't have any zip in it. My relationship is boring. My relationship is routine. We're just kind of going through life and going through the motions. Whether it's a dating couple, whether it's a single person with their friends, or, 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 or whether it's, it's, it's a married couple, or whether it's a family. Pretty soon everything starts to taste really stale. When that happens, it leads to unhealthy fantasies. We start looking around for something better. All of a sudden, that guy at the office, who's always kind, who's always telling a joke, 
who always dresses nice and has a flashy smile and always gives us some attention and, and tells us how great we look. All of a sudden, we, we compare that man to the husband who grunted going out the door that morning. Men compare a woman at work who is just adoring them. Oh, laughing at all his jokes. You're so funny. <laughs> you're so clever. Oh, you're just the greatest salesman this company has ever known. Compared to the wife who just reminded him for the hundredth time that the garage needs repainted. Children looking at their parents saying, My parents, I, I really got the bad end of this deal. See, the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence. A few months back, my son and I were playing in a golf tournament. And we were kind of sitting in the golf carts waiting to, to go out and play the tournament. When this beautiful, gorgeous young lady in these golf tournaments, they have all these girls kind of stationed around the course and they drive the carts that serve the beer and stuff like that. They call them beer babes. And, and, and they're usually very attractive girls. And so one of these girls came walking by the, the, the line of carts. Just gorgeous in every way, I'm told, because as a man of God, I don't notice these things. <laughs> but anyhow, I heard my son chuckle. I said, I said what? He said, did, did you hear the guy in the cart ahead of us? And I said, no. He said, when that girl came by, he said to his buddies, he said, you see that girl? No matter how gorgeous she is, there's some guy somewhere who has a real relation with her saying, that woman's busting my chops. <laughs> they got it right. Because the grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. No more has this unhealthy fantasy played out than over the internet and with pornography. Get this, according to the Family Research Council, Citing an, an American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, the study noted that 56% of divorce cases involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. Now, I know right now we're all thinking, yeah, all those dirty old men. But pornography is on the rise with everything. Listen to this. Every second... $3,075.64 is being spent on pornography every second. Every second, 28,258 internet users are viewing pornography. Every second, 372 internet users are typing adult search terms into search engines. Every 39 minutes in the United States of America, a pornographic movie is being made. Women are accessing adult websites each month in the volume of 9.4 million. In a recent survey, 17% of women confessed to a pornography addiction. And today, statistics show that one out of three users that tune into pornography on the internet are now 
women. Why? Looking for something else. Looking for some escape. And then it goes on to say, well, 68% of divorce cases involve one spouse conducting an affair with someone they met online. Why? Because they don't like what they have. It doesn't measure up to R-E-E-L love. Something's missing in my relationship. The grass is greener someplace else. I'm going to find that right guy. I'm going to find that right woman. And that's going to change everything in my life. Well, these factors all conspire together to produce increasingly betrayal of love. Acting out. Whether it's in dating relationships, cheating on each other in dating relations. Whether it's in marriage, cheating on each other in in marriages. And you know what? R-E-E-L gives plenty of justification for doing it, doesn't it? I remember a movie a while back, The Bridges of Madison County. Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood. Meryl Streep was portraying this this, uh, immigrant housewife in the heartland of America, the Midwest. And, And she's kind of bored with her mundane farm life. And one day her husband, deciding he's going to give her a little room and give her a little time off from the family, takes the kids and they all go away to the state fair where he's going to enter one of their calves or one of their, their cows in, in a contest there at the fair. And while they're gone, she comes across this photographer played by Clint Eastwood and things happen and they have this illicit affair. Well, at the end of the affair, he offers to take her away with him, but she instead chooses to stay with her family. But years later, as the movie flashes forward and she's passed, her children are going through some of her belongings and they find all these letters and all this memorabilia from that affair. And instead of being horrified by it, the response is, isn't it romantic? Movie The Notebook. A girl from a rich family falls in love with a guy on the other side of the tracks parents forbid it break it off hide letters that the guy tries to mail to her many years later now they're adults and they had when they were dating in this this relationship had this fantasy of restoring this certain house in the town and he finally does it she hears about it so she comes back to see the house they get together again now she's engaged to somebody When they get back together, the old sparks unite. They have an affair. And finally, she elects to break up with her fiancé, to go back with her old flame. And the fiancé's fine with this because all he's ever wanted was for her to be happy. And we're swallowing this stuff. We're saying, I deserve to be happy. And my spouse wants me to be happy. Yeah, you use that line, you better make sure you took all the rolling pins out of the house. But increasingly, Hollywood's, it's okay, it's all right, everyone's doing it. And we buy into that. In fact, we bought into it so much that there has become in our culture today a disassociation with marriage itself. A Pew Research Center uh, survey found that four in ten Americans today say marriage is obsolete. Forty percent of Americans say marriage is obsolete. And it goes on to say, and the growing number of births outside of marriage appears to confirm it. Compared to 50 years ago, when only five percent of children were born out of wedlock, today 
41% of children are born to single moms. My daughter Sonia was telling me that she saw one of these morning programs the other day, and they had a bunch of actresses on. And these actresses now, and these, these Hollywood personalities are increasingly now either having children outside of wedlock and not even associating with guys, just, just getting pregnant to be able to have a child. And they're adopting children. And, and what's happening now is they think that this is having a huge effect on other women doing the same thing. And there's this total disassociation with marriage. We, we think marriage is old-fashioned. It's obsolete. What's happened is this, that these real love, R-E-E-L, has invaded our lives and has confused us. And it's got us chasing these illusions. It also causes ineffectual parenting. We look at all these family movies, and kids are saying, my, my old-fashioned parents, they're just too strict because parents are trying to do what parents need to do and provide boundaries for their children because children are not mature enough to live their life on their own. And yet children say, why can't my parents be like those parents? And children rebel against their parents. In the same manner, so many parents are lowering their flag and not doing what they need to do because they're looking at these movies and saying, I guess I need to be that kind of parent. I need to understand that my child needs to express himself. My child needs to, to be able to make her own decisions. My child, and, and, and we, we, we've lost out. We've stopped parenting. And we've turned the whole thing over to R-E-E-L love. Produces desensitized moral values. Now pretty much anything goes. It's okay. There's no absolute truth. There's no absolute standard. Whatever is good for you is good, is good for you. Whatever is true for you is true for you. Don't judge me. I'll live my life the way I want. You live your life. And we're buying into all these alternative lifestyles. TV is filled with with all these shows that make fun of traditional biblical values and pump into our minds and into our souls all the poison of R-E-E-L love. We live in a world with a broken heart. We really do. And we see the evidence of that everywhere. Dr. Carl Menninger, the founder of the Menninger Clinic for Psychiatric Care in Topeka, Kansas, has treated literally hundreds and thousands of people with physical and mental illnesses. And here's what he says. Love is the medicine for our sick old world. Now look what he says. If people can learn to give and receive love, they will usually recover from their physical and mental illnesses. This renowned, internationally renowned expert, psychiatrist, says love is the answer to the ills of our physical bodies and our emotional bodies. He says if we can learn, why do we need to learn it? Because we don't know it anymore. We've substituted R-E-A-L for R-E-E-L and we've totally lost our course. We've lost our path. We've lost our direction. And now... This illusion that the entertainment industry puts out has become our standard. Well, no one can mend a broken world like God. He's the creator of it. See, R-E-A-L is the antidote to R-E-E-L. 
And God wants you and God wants me to know what R-E-A-L really is. I think that's why he stressed the importance as he inspired the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. He concludes, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. It's greater than faith. And you know what the Bible says about faith? In Hebrews it says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And yet, it says love is more important than faith. Our blessed hope in the forgiveness that Jesus Christ died on the cross to provide us is critical as that. God still still says, even greater than the hope that we have is love. And these aren't, this isn't an isolated thing in the Bible. It says in 1 Corinthians 14.1, follow the way of what? Follow the way of what? 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in? 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how we may spur one another towards what? Philippians 2, 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love. 1 John 4, 16, whoever lives in? Lives in God. Matthew 5, 44, Jesus even says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's about love. It's the hallmark of Christianity. God wants to infuse R-E-A-L love into this broken world. And that's where we come in. Look what Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus said this, A new command I give to you. Read it with me. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Continue. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It is the single most important thing in life. And yet we are chasing the illusion of R-E-E-L. We are called to be God's agents of love. Now, I, I know that we're thinking that in a global way. But it's not just in a global way. Listen to me, husbands. God wants you to be his agent of love to your wife. Wives, God wants you to be his agent of love to your husbands. God wants to, the world to know that R-E-A-L love exists, and the way that they're going to know it is through us, because we're God with some flesh on it. Parents, God wants you to be his agent of of R-E-A-L love to your children. Children, 
teens, young adults, God wants you to be His agent of real love to your parents. He wants us to be His agents of real love in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our friends, and with our co-workers. What Dr. Menninger say? If we can learn to give and receive R-E-A-L love, then most of the time we, and oftentimes God will use us to be a healing agent in the physical and mental healness of ourselves, illness, and of others. That's what we're going to do in this series. My question is, are you ready? Are you ready to become God's agent of real love? to serve the poor and afflicted, but he touched and healed their brokenness. No greater love has been given. He became the ultimate sacrifice, created me the heart of a servant. Let this be my soul's Show me how to love in the true meaning of the word. Teach me to sacrifice, expecting nothing in return. I want to give my life away, becoming more like you each and every day. My words are not enough. Please show me how to love. I saw a bruised and battered woman with her hungry children on the street. And when I heard you ask in that still small voice, What have you done for the rest of me? Lord, with a burning fire that'll melt away my complacency. Let me be moved with a love and compassion that they might find a way in me. Show me how to love in the true meaning of the word. Becoming like you each and every day. My words are not enough. Please show me how to love. Lord, open up my eyes that I might clearly see. 
Jesus Christ offers real love. R-E-A-L, love. Jesus Christ will teach us in His Word how to be husbands, wives, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, children, co-workers, friends. He will teach us if we will open our eyes and open our hearts, He will show us how to love in the true meaning of the word. And when that happens, everything changes. Jesus offers you real love. Real love of acceptance by the omnipotent God and creator of the universe. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As our ushers come and we prepare this morning to take communion, let us be reminded that these elements that we are about to receive are the greatest symbols of real love that exist in the world today. This little cracker that you're about to receive is the greatest symbol of genuine love. It's much greater than a dozen roses. Greater than the biggest Valentine card with the biggest red heart on it you will be able to find at the Hallmark store. Bigger than a box of Godiva truffles. Bigger than Cupid. Because this symbolizes the depth of God's love for me and the depths of, of God's love for you. So much did He love you that God came to this earth, put on Him the flesh of a man. He came in the, in the person of Jesus, the Son. And Jesus was willing to be humiliated, beaten, and executed with the most heinous form of capital punishment that has ever been invented and inflicted on victims. And yet this cup is the greatest symbol of power in the entire universe. It is the symbol of the blood sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross. And because Jesus was willing to pay that sacrifice... Eternal forgiveness is offered to any man and any woman who will humble himself, who will humble herself before the cross of Jesus Christ and admit that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one can come to the Father except through Him, just as Jesus Himself said in John chapter 14.
wonder, have you ever received the gift, the greatest gift of love that has ever been offered to mankind? The gift of complete forgiveness of every offense you've ever committed. The gift of adoption into the very family of God for all eternity. That's R-E-A-L, love. And God offers it to you this morning if you've never received it. And all you need to do to receive it is ask for it. The Bible says, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved, through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. The Bible simply says, If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Have you ever done that? If not, is the Holy Spirit of God calling you to do that right now? If so, just pray, God, yes, I feel your presence, and yes, I feel you drawing me to yourself. I know you're working in my mind, you're working in my heart, you're working in my soul right now, God, and I'm surrendering it to you. God, I confess my sin to you. I know I'm not perfect. I don't deserve heaven. No matter how good of a person I am, I'm not good enough. That's why you sent Jesus. And so God, as best as I understand this today, I'm asking Jesus to be my Savior. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross, were buried and rose again, and because you were willing to go to the cross and die, that God has given you the authority to forgive me of my sin. And so Jesus, I'm asking you to do that today. Today, Jesus, I call upon the name of the Son of God for eternal life. And for any man or woman who will humble themselves to do that, 1 John 5.13 says, these things, have I these things I write unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. How do we know it's true? R-E-A-L, love. For on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he passed it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. <clears throat> After the same manner, Jesus took the cup and he passed it to his disciples. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Are you ready to become God's agent of love? Are you ready to be used by God to bring R-E-A-L love into your world, into your relationships, into your family, into your marriage, into your friendships? into your workplace. That's what we're going to learn how to do in the next three weeks. I hope you'll come back and I hope you'll invite others to come with you because if the world needs anything today, it needs what? Love. It's confused. It's disoriented. It's chasing an illusion. But the Bible will teach us what real love is. 
Our ushers are going to come. We're going to receive our gifts today. If you've prepared a gift, possibly you already gave your gift in one of our offering kiosks. There's several ways to give here at Florida Bible. You can give online. You can give in this service in the offering. You can put an offering in one of our offering kiosks. But we do ask you to give and to support the ministry of this church as we try to reach out to our community and the entire world to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, use our gifts now for your honor and your glory. We give them to you with our hearts of love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's receive the gifts. Go back to Jesus. Jesus. Something about that name. Let's sing that little chorus we sang. Something about that name. Rusty, go back to that. Like the fragrance after a rain, so fresh, so pure, so refreshing. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. Let's stand and sing it together as our benediction today. lift our hearts up to the Lord and sing. Let's sing a praise to our Savior together now. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.